Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I'd like to share with you some things from God's Word as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. And if you've been listening carefully to some of the, I would say some of the word that's been coming forward from the beginning of this service, I, I think you'll find that what, I, what the Lord has placed on my heart, I believe it was Him that placed on my heart, to share with you will coincide with that everything that's been said so far. Thank you, Kevin, Ricky. Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, is an, an interesting read. I don't want to overuse the word interesting, but it's also a fascinating read. It's a fascinating read. Those of us that have read that, probably most of us here, it's fascinating because we encounter human nature and we encounter God's nature. And let me say this, that if you wonder what God is really like, Scripture is the place to delve into to get a good understanding, at least what we're able to get, of who He is and what He's about and what's important to Him. You probably have things in your life that are important to you, and those that know you probably have determined a little bit of what you're about, maybe a lot of what you're about, and Scripture is a revelator, it's a revealer of God and His nature, His character. And we have to say, as we read Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, His mighty deeds. How many of you believe that the Lord does mighty things? He does powerful things. If you don't believe that, then go back to Genesis chapter 1 and dovetail... Connect that with what we read in the book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews, and in other places, uh, John chapter 1, and realize that God is powerful. And in a sense, and uh, some have stated this way, he spoke the world into existence. Spoke. And we see the continuation in Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, of some of God's great deeds that he did. And... We sang a song just a minute ago. Who alone does wonder who alone doth wonderful things? I guess I have to get the old English in there. He does wonderful things and he whether we recognize or not, he's doing a wonderful thing in our lives right now. In Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, chapter forty, verse sixteen, there is a statement that is um in a sense, it, it is connected to six other statements just like it in Exodus chapter 40. And here's what it says, Exodus 40 verse 16, thus Moshe or Moses did 
according to all that the Lord had commanded him, Ken Asa, so he did. Let me read that again. Thus Moses did, according to all that the Lord had commanded him, Ken Asa, so he did. Now, it's no secret reading through the book of Exodus that we, are, we, we encounter Moshe, Moses, in the very beginning of the book, in the first chapter, and we watch this sort of progression that happens in his life. We're giving just snapshots of it. But by the time we get to the end of Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, we have a repetition of this idea concerning Moses' obedience. So he learned obedience through the things he went through. By the way, let me ask you, have you learned some obedience through some of what you've gone through in life? How many of you can say that? Everyone raise your hand. How many you can say you've been learning some things, and particularly in the realm of obeying God, through some of the issues, things you've encountered in your life? And not all's bad. I mean, we learn things also through the good times in life. For example, we can learn to be appreciative of God to count his blessings and name them one by one, as it's been said. We also learn some things about ourselves when we go through hard times. We also learn some things about ourselves when we go through easier times. And later on, we'll read in Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, where God warns the children of Israel not to forget him when you're prospering. Now, it's pretty easy to cry out to him when you're in the middle of the proverbial pickle in life. But when you're prospering, will you remember him? Will you honor him? Will you, and, and, and we're, we're warned, we're told, B'nai Israel's told in Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, don't forget him when things are going well. And if our relationship with him is just a matter of crying out to him when we need him, that's fairly hollow. That's a hollow relationship. As has been said here already from this bima, from this pulpit, from this stage, it's important that we have a daily relationship, regardless of what that day's like. It is good to give thanks to the Lord is how I, today I got up and read that. Those of you who were here, you heard that from Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to God Most High. That's a good thing. That Psalm for the Shabbat. But Moses was obedient. And that is a big statement. Especially when we start contrasting with our lives. Are, are we truly obedient are we followers of the Lord, as, as has been stated already? His obedient actions highlighted in Shemot, Exodus chapter 40, at least six times, something along that line is said that Moses obeyed. Moses obeyed. Ken Asa, so he did. And that's highlighted about him. And in a sense, it's that obedience, that, that learning to obey God, which began to distinguish Moses in his walk, in his narrative, in his life, that he obeyed the Lord. In fact, we can even conclude, if we want to, we can conclude, and I think on pretty solid ground, that one of the characteristics of Moses was his obedience to the Lord. That was a characteristic of him. 
When we do uh, associations with the idea of Moses, the name Moses, the person of Moses as we understand him, a word that will come up quite rapidly in such an association will be Moses was obedient. That idea, he was obedient. And if Moses was obedient doing the will of the Lord, now let me throw something at you here. If Moses was obedient doing the will of the Lord, you know what that means actually? It means that he wasn't doing his own will. He wasn't just doing his own thing. Over the many years that I've been involved in what I do in life here, I've noticed that one of the biggest problems that occurs, uh, where some of the biggest problems come forth in a person's life is when they do their own thing. And you know, for a little while, they do okay. I mean, you can brute force anything, really. They may do okay for a little while. But after some time elapses, and there's a time lapse, they begin to realize something went astray. Somehow I've been missing things. It may begin to show with a lack of peace inside of them. It may begin to show with their inability to have self-control. And how this contrasts not only with Moshe's way and the characteristics of him as being obedient, but also with the the testimony that we read in Scripture concerning so many of those who were servants of the Lord. Are you a servant of the Lord today? Don't answer too quickly. Because if you're a servant of the Lord, by definition, you will be involved with doing the Master's will. And think that through. In Matatiahu, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Yeshua said many things in this context, but I want to just point out a phrase to you. He said this, and he was 150% correct. He said, no one can serve two masters. And he goes on and expresses more about that idea afterwards. But the key point here is no one can serve two masters. And somehow in Moshe's life, by the time we get to Sefer Shemot, Exodus chapter 40, we realize Moses has come to some fairly, you know, strong conclusion about serving God and he must do God's will. And we do much better when we decide in our lives, I'm going to try to do God's will. With his grace, with his help, with the anointing of his spirit, according to his word, and in consultation, I'm going to do God's will. No one can serve two masters. Not even Moses could serve two masters. And obeying God was absolutely critical for Moshe. And all that we're going to read as we go into uh, Sefer Vayikar, the book of Leviticus, and Sefer Babidbar, the book of Numbers, and Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, all that we're going to read will be predicated on an idea of obedience. And at times, we'll see others that don't obey God. Was Moses perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, I dare say if he could step here right now, he'd say, I, I, I messed up. I, 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 there's some things I should have done better. Is that like our lives sometimes? 
you get through some issue in your life and then you realize, wow, I could have handled this better. I don't know about you, but that's, for me, that's true. Perhaps it's some rash words that you've said. Perhaps it's you've been quiet when you should have been speaking up for the Lord. Or perhaps it's you've been totally stingy when you should have been generous. Or perhaps you've been unfaithful when you should have been faithful. Or immoral when you should have been moral. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And doing God's will, doing his will, which is the subject of my message today, doing God's will remains the most important aspect of the actions we do in our lives. And I want to make a case for that. Doing God's will, and we can, the caveat could be, we could say also doing God's will, God's way, with, with God's attitude. But I'm going to keep it simple. Doing God's will remains the most important aspect of the actions we do in our lives. And we can even ask ourselves, and probably we should be asking ourselves, am I doing God's will? Am I really doing his will? Now many, probably myself, probably you too, I'm not trying to cast aspersions towards you, but many of us have done our own will and said, well, that was God. <laughs> And I know pastorally, rabbinically, that when someone says to me, God told me, that I realize I just need to step back because they've already, God already told them, you know. It could be the most crazy thing in the world, and when they, once they put this little attachment, this little shingle attached to it and say, well, God said this, and God told me, what do, how do you argue with that? We can and should ask ourselves, are we really doing God's will in our life? It's very important. Let me remind you of several passages of Scripture in the New Covenant, which I think, and these are just several of them, that point, to us, point out to us just how important doing God's will is for each one of us. Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, and this has riveted my soul for decades. I remember when I first read this passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How many agree with that? I do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice they have the words correct. But this next statement seems to take this in another direction. These are the words of Yeshua himself. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he or that person who does the will of my Father in heaven. Would you agree with me? This is one passage of Scripture that makes a point or a case for how significant doing God's will is for us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but that person, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And how about this one in 1 Yohanan, 1 John chapter 2, verse 17? How about you agree with this first statement? The world is passing away. How many agree with that one? <laughs> the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me read that again. Let that soak in here. The world is passing away, 
and the lust, the extreme desires of it. But that person who does the will of God abides forever. And if we pointed out no other scriptures other than these two, I think you would agree with me that doing the will of God, there's a high premium on that. Again, back to our parasha this week, Moshe in Exodus chapter 40, is a no, there are a number of times it points out that he did what God said. He did what God said. Ken Asa, so he did it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 from the Brit Chadashah from the New Covenant. For you have need of endurance. How many agree with that? You have need of endurance. Sometimes you just have to keep persevering and enduring. I believe that's one of the reasons we're told to encourage one another. Come alongside, lift the arms up of one another, help one another. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, it's presupposing doing the will of God, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. To put it in other language, you may receive the reward. The reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And I don't know how your prayer life is. And I don't know the focus of your prayers. Is it me, 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 me? My, 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 my. Or have you been segueing into more of a type of prayer that says, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, how would you have me respond? Lord, what words would you have me say? For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Moses persevered. Scripture does not hide that from us. Really, three 40-year segments of his life, he persevered. 40-year segments. He persevered in this case in Exodus chapter 40, persevered onto the fulfilling of God's plan and purpose, which was the creation of the Mishkan. The people came alongside of him. Just like community, we should come alongside of one another for common purpose and for common good. It's not about us. It's really about the Messiah. He said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst and with the help, as last week's parasha showed us, with the generosity of God's people, by the powerful anointing that he had placed on various individuals to do the task of creating and building the Mishkan, the tabernacle. The Betzalels that were in their midst, the Aholiavs that were in the midst of the people. There, with all that came together, we get this statement in Exodus chapter 40, verse 33. Moshe raised up the cord all around the Mishkan and the Mizbeach, the altar, the tabernacle and the altar, and he hung up the screen of the court gate, and then it says this, Ve'chal Moshe et hamlacha. So Moses finished the work. The task was given to him. The community came together for the task, and there was a finishing point. Ve'chal Moshe et hamlacha. And Moses finished the work. Through the trials of his life, 
Moshe had grown in his understanding, and you can follow it really if you look at it carefully. From our first introduction to Moses in the, the opening chapters of Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, all the way to now to Exodus 40, you can follow this pendulum swing, this swing that happens where in the beginning he's not quite so connected with the Lord. And as time goes on and circumstance come in his life, he increasingly relinquishes his own will to do God's will. And finally he ends up, finally he ends up doing what God told him to do. Finally ends up doing what God told him to do. So through the trials, he grew in his understanding of God's will and his understanding of the call of God on his life. In the Torah at this point, after Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, there's going to be a big switch into Sefer Vayikra. And by the way, next week is a Torah reading session for us here. And as a result of some of the trials Moses went through, he learned it's better to obey. It's better to obey. It's better to obey God's will even above his own desire. It's better to obey. And I think there were three powerful inner tendencies. There were more, but I want to point out three inner tendencies that were at work in Moses' life that I think should be at work in our own lives. And you can consider this, please, here this morning. Tendency number one was that Moshe sought to do the will of God. That's what I've been addressing. He really ended up coming to a place in his life where he was wanting to do the will of God. And you know, when we want something, we set our desire on it, that's a different mechanism than when we don't care. And Moses sought to do the will of God. And the second tendency that he had, an inner tendency that Moshe exhibited, was he, was, he, he had this tendency towards the community. You don't find Moses too distant from community. His people... He was part of a community, and during his efforts to obey, the community was part of this. He was connected to the community. He eventually ends up being the leader of that community, and the third tendency was that Moses completed the task that God set before him, Moses completed the work that was given to him. And that brings us to Exodus chapter 40, verse 17. And it came to pass... In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. And I want to repeat again the time frame. It was the first month of the second year after coming out of Egypt, Mitzrayim. And it was the first day of that month that the tabernacle was raised up. And I know it, it, we, we can think back. Just take a moment and think back in your life one year ago, what was happening in your life. And for some, that was a good time. And for others, that was a terrible time. And for the whole world, there was a terrible pandemic going on. So that one year in Moshe's life, from the time the children of Israel came out of Egypt to the raising up of the tabernacle, a lot had happened in, in that time frame. And you can fill in the blanks. Think of some of the things that happened in that first year of the wilderness wandering. Some pretty tough stuff, people were complaining. Some great stuff, the Torah, the Ten Natserta Dibrot, the Ten Commands are given. The Sea of Reeds parted 
by the Lord's hand. Manna began. All these things happened in that one year, culminating in God telling Moses to build the Mishkan, the tabernacle. And then, as has already been mentioned here this morning, he said, my presence will be there, my Shekhinah, my kavod, my glory, my presence will be there. They already could see the cloud, the pillar of fire. But now there was this tabernacle, this Mishkan there. So in one year's time, an obedient Moses, from the time of Israel coming out of Egypt, all the way to the time of the raising of the tabernacle and him finishing the work, them finishing it as a community, they were able to distance themselves from Pharaoh and his armies. They were able to become, as it were, vessels of God's word. And also, they were being brought nearer and nearer to the Lord himself. Excellent things that God did. You know, as we do God's will, we become vessels for him. Vessels of his grace, vessels of his word, that we can bring others nearer to him. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, <laughs> not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then there's this statement, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's God who works in you. He works in you so that your desire is accomplished, your will is accomplished. No. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He's ultimately wiser than we'll ever be. By the way, that passage continues in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, and it says this. <laughs> do all things. Could you please say that with me? Do all things without complaining and disputing. <laughs> that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You shine as lights in the world. If you're like me, you realize quite readily that you don't always live up to the task. That sometimes you do make mistakes. Sometimes you do cross some lines you shouldn't. And the attitude of repentance is so critical. We see that with Moses, how critical it was. And it's becoming increasingly obvious to me, and perhaps it is to you, that we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Ruach HaKodesh. We must have him. The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, working in concert with the Word of God is a powerful, powerful mechanism in our life. And his word's alive, it's active, and his spirit is at work in our lives. How many of you have had an instance where the Holy Spirit just really spoke to you and stopped you from something, or the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, go forward, most of us have. We may not even be able to recognize that it was the Holy Spirit, but something happened. We look back and we say, God intervened. God intervened. It can be on a practical level. You're going down the highway and you suddenly sense that you need to go a different direction. And then you find out later it was a massive car accident. 
you recognize that you need to grow closer to the Lord so you begin to pray and you realize he's preparing your heart for something coming into your own life. And you start sowing seeds of generosity and you, when you start receiving back because what a man sows he's going to reap. And then you realize that God had been in that work in your life and he was the one that was twisting you and making sure that you were doing the right thing in his sight. Why? So ultimately you can receive the promise, the reward that comes from doing his will. But I know we will not succeed if we use sheer will, our own will, or we try to finesse our way in kingdom matters. It's not going to work. It may work for a little while. Ultimately, it doesn't work. We need the Holy Spirit truth. We need the Holy Spirit fruit. We need the Holy Spirit power or the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in concert with his word as we work together as a community. Ephesians 4.21 tells us the truth is in Yeshua. So anything you're building in your life theologically, spiritually, that is devoid of Yeshua, you're probably straying off no matter how good it seems. Now, I want to conclude as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. I really felt led today to talk about obedience and some of the aspects of it because I think it's critical for us in this generation that we obey the Lord. Is it more critical now than it was in the past? It's the same. <laughs> to obey is the best way to go. But let me conclude here with the simple yet, I believe, very profound words of Yeshua as he proclaimed to what were first century Sabras at Kepharnachum in Capernaum, somewhere in that area. He said these words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Yeshua said, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. Did you notice the rain did come? Some translations say the flood came. The rain did come. So the wise man built his house on the rock. It didn't mean that trouble challenges didn't come to that person it says and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house there were still challenges and the next statement is absolutely critical that house did not fall and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock now, that's enough in itself, just that statement as far as I'm concerned. But Yeshua went and talked about the second part of this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. We just were speaking about how Moses, at least six times in Exodus 40, it says, and he did what God said, 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 he did what God said. But everyone who hears these words, sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. So this parable contrasts a wise person with a foolish person. Will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, 
the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house exactly what had happened to the prior house. Exact same thing happened. But the outcome was different. This second house that was built on the sand, it says, and it fell. It didn't hold up. And then the adage is this, and great was its fall. My exhortation to all of us here this morning is to give deeper and greater priority to obeying God. There's a lot happening in the world around us. Please don't be distracted from the will of God. There's so much we can tap into. Please make sure that your house is founded on the rock, God's word. And the Messiah himself, the rock. To obey is the way to go. Shall we pray? Let's pray together. Let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. And let us pray. Just take a moment of reflection in your own life, if you would please. What is God saying to you? What does he want from you? He wants you to obey him. Do what's right in his sight. Make sure that you're not saying your will is his will. Blessed are you when your will and his will are very aligned. (laughs) Makes for great happiness of soul. And you shall obey to the point of death and suffering. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Yeshua on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the Brit Chadashah, the new covenant in my dam, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Will you please take a moment to consider your life? What are you doing in your life? Can you honestly say, I I delight to do your will, Lord? Your will's important to me. You know you will have trials and challenges. Can you say, you are the Lord of my life and I want to obey you. A servant does what the master says. If you'll please rise. Up here there are emblems, symbols of the Lord's suffering. The top you have to disunfold to get the little uh, yeastless cracker inside there, wafer. 
let's make sure when we take this today as a community that we're taking in the right heart and attitude. You got something against someone, let it go. If you're having anger towards others, even people you love, let it go. If the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit directs you, go talk to that person, get it right. I don't believe this is the time to play synagogue. This is the time to be his servant in spirit and in truth. Let's recite first the blessing over the bread and then also the cup. And after that, you'll be dismissed to come forward for those that would like to for the Lord's Supper. And afterwards, we also have an oneg across the hall. And for those who are members of the congregation, we meet in here at 145 for the business meeting, those that are interested in that. Again, thank you, each of you coming today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for these emblems, the expression of your covenant love for your people, for all those that receive you. Thank you that you are raising up a community that is international, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, people of every continent. We even know there are believers in Antarctica at this moment. Blessed is your name, O Lord. Thank you for what these elements represent. Thank you first for the, for the, the wafer that represents the broken body of your holy son, Yeshua. His body which was broken for us. And we thank you also for this cup, this grape juice, this fruit of the vine that represents the inauguration, the sealing of the Brit Chadashah, the new covenant, his blood, which was shed for us. And we thank you for the promise of newness of life as we obey you and follow you, that you will lead us and guide us in the way everlasting so that in all things we might please you and glorify you and bear the most fruit possible as your Talmudim, as your followers. Thank you, Lord. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405 842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.